Amen. It is so good to be in church. It is especially good to be in church today. When I saw the weather report last night, I was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do it, but then I just said, we're going to do it, and we made it happen. So, Holy Spirit, thank you for helping us. I want to thank the Setup and Teardown team of one of the locks. I talked last week about the torch and how it works perfectly. Well, I tried torching a plastic lock. Bad idea. So I had to cut the lock off. So the whole setup team was pulling it out of the side of the trailer, and, and they did a great job. So thank you to the setup teardown team. Can we give them a round of applause and the worship team? Seriously, it was awesome. It's so good to be able to have church. I know that you know for a lot of us, we're staying home today, and that is totally okay, but it's good to be able to have it so we can offer this opportunity, because I don't know about you, I don't really want to record myself on my iPhone in my house preaching to you. It sounds awkward, so I'm glad we were able to do this today. And it's funny, because you know the reason we're doing this today is because we believe in fellowship. We believe in the power of gathering together. We believe it's so important to be with other people. And then the sermon today is actually about silence and solitude. So it's about getting away from people. So it's kind of funny that it worked out that way. And uh, next week, we're going to talk about the importance of fellowship. So I'm excited for that. But for today, we're talking about silence and solitude. And how many people here struggle with talking too much? You just kind of go, chit, chat, 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 chat. John Kruger raised his hand. Derek Droppy, I'm just kidding, I'm sorry for calling you guys out, but, but who uh, here struggles with not saying enough? Like, you're kind of quiet a lot, like you don't really want to talk too much. Okay, okay. And who here always has to be around people, like all the time? You got to have people, you got to have stimulation, like if I'm not around people, then my life stinks. And then how many people don't want to be around people at all? You'd rather just sit in your bedroom. Okay, okay, so we got introverts, we got extroverts, we got tons of different types of people in this room and online. And I think one of the great tensions of life is figuring out when to engage with the world and when to speak up and then when to be alone and quiet. You know, some struggle with talking too much or too much and always needing to be around people and some struggle with not saying enough. I think we need to find a healthy balance of speaking and engaging and then also being okay with being quiet and being alone. In middle school, I was super self-conscious. I had and I tried not to speak up too much in fear of saying something stupid. It's funny that God was forming a preacher in those seasons, but I did not say a whole lot because I was so nervous uh, that I would say something dumb or look like an idiot. And I would talk a lot around my closest friends, but, but when it came to public settings, I, I pretty much you know, kept quiet and wanted to be invisible because I felt that that was the safest thing to do. And when I was in sixth grade, I tried out for a musical called Bye Bye Birdie. Have you heard of Bye Bye Birdie? Okay, like three of us here, amen. It's about this rock and roll singer who gets drafted into the army and his uh, PR team wants to do a big, uh, or a big stunt before he leaves that can kind of get people excited about him right before he leaves. And they decide that the thing they're gonna do is they're gonna do like a sweepstakes to pick one girl in America to be able to kiss him on live TV before he goes off to wherever he was going. And there's this crazy scene, this girl that gets picked to kiss Conrad Birdie, this girl had just gotten a new boyfriend, okay, and this boyfriend was excited, he was kind of a dork, he was pumped, and there was this scene where he runs out, right when uh, the Conrad Birdie's about to kiss the girl, he runs out and just says, brace yourself, Conrad Birdie, and punches him, and it's super dramatic, like, he runs out like, ah, ah, brace yourself, and then punches him, and I tried out for all these parts, but I didn't get, you know, the two big parts, Conrad Birdie or uh, the boyfriend, I got the teen chorus. Okay, so teen chorus means you stink, and you're going to stand in the back and sing in unison. So there's like 12 of us, I think it was like me and 10 girls, and we're like, yeah, 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 singing in the back. And, uh, 
And the guy who played the boyfriend was gone a lot for rehearsals because he had other things going on. So people would stand in for him and get to do that big part. And everybody tried their hand at it, especially the eccentric ones, which in musicals, a lot of people are eccentric. I'm not super eccentric, though. You might think that in my preaching, but you know, typically I'm, I'm pretty laid back. So the whole time I would just kind of sit there and I would never volunteer to do it. But then we got to the last rehearsal. It was my last chance to do it. And I'm like, I got to do it. I got to stop letting fear hold me back. In Jesus' name, I can do this. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to show the director how good of an actor I am. And I'm going to just really kill it. And I remember standing on the side of the stage as I'm about to go out there. And my heart is like beating so hard. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to say. Because I volunteered in this kind of... Uh, or this flurry of just, you know, jumping in there, and I had no idea what I was about to do. So I'm like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I just run out there, and I do the dramatic thing, and then I stop, and I can't remember the line. So I just stand there, and then everyone just starts laughing at me. So I, I've never been that embarrassed in my life. Like, I forgot the line. I didn't punch him, and what I did is I just went, boom, and ran off stage. That's all I did, and I just hid back there. And I'm thankful. Don't, don't feel bad for me. This is good for me, okay? So... <laughs> I'm thankful that I stepped out. I'm thankful that I put myself out there. But I think it would have been better for my own you know, reputation had I just been quiet that day and not had to volunteer uh, to do that. And I think this story illustrates the tension we have of trying to figure out when to put ourselves out there, when to talk, when to engage with people, and when to just be quiet and hang out. I think some of us are silent too much for fear of looking stupid because you know, some of us have social anxiety or, again, we're afraid of what we might look like. We refrain from being around people and refrain from speaking up when we should. And then there's others of us who struggle with talking too much and needing to always be stimulated and distracted, and we can never just be alone with ourselves. As we apprentice under Jesus, we need to grow out of both of these extremes. If you're someone who likes to just be alone and you're afraid of looking dumb, you need to grow out of that. You need to grow and be confident in who you are in Christ. Okay, this doesn't mean that you can't be an introvert. I think I'm an introvert. I go back and forth, but I think I'm an introvert. It doesn't mean you can't or can't like being alone because this can be a very godly thing. It's actually very necessary as we're going to talk about silence and solitude today. But it does mean that you should never be silent or refrain from speaking because you're afraid of what some person might think of you if you say something dumb. In my story, I'm glad that I stepped out of my comfort zone, even though I look like an idiot. For those of us who struggle with talking too much and always needing to be around people because we aren't secure in ourselves, for those of us who just always need the stimulation, we need to stop wanting to be seen by man and heard by man, and we need to be able to be alone with just us and God with nothing to distract us and, and nobody to see us. In my case, for my own sake, I probably should have been silent that day and let someone else do the part. I so badly wanted to prove myself and show I'm a good actor that I did something that I was not prepared for. I hadn't even thought about it, really. We need to be okay with just being seen by God and being alone with him because it makes our times of engagement with the world much more fruitful. We're not striving. We're not trying to be seen. Instead, we're coming out of the secure place that's already been seen by God. In Jesus' life, we see a beautiful rhythm of engaging with the world and then disengaging from the world. He, he didn't go to either of these two extremes. He was actively engaged with the world. He would speak when God called him to speak, and man, he would speak with boldness. He would flip over some tables when he had to. He would speak with love and truth. He traveled with 12 men who he was with night 
and day. He knew how to have community. At the same time, there was times where people could not find him because he had disappeared somewhere. He was hanging out on a mountaintop, just hanging out with God. They could not find him because he disengaged from the 12 and from the crowd so he could just, or just be alone with God. You see, Jesus was able to do this because he was the most secure human being who's ever lived. He was secure enough to be alone with just God without fear of not being seen by others. And he was secure enough to be with people and show them love without the fear of looking stupid. This is what God is calling us into. He's calling us to be people who know how to engage with the world, but also know how to get alone with God in these times of silence and solitude. Okay, so with that said, we are continuing our sermons here whole hearts. And this series has been all about these spiritual disciplines that help us give our whole hearts to Jesus. These are different things we can do, different practices uh, that we can incorporate into our lives that Jesus did himself that help us to give our whole hearts to God. You know, see, Jesus doesn't want us to be a church that just kind of gives a little bit to God. He doesn't want you to be an individual who just gives a little bit to him. He wants you to give his whole heart to him, and he wants our church to give our whole hearts to him. He doesn't want us just to be religious people. He doesn't want us just to be good people or nice people, but he wants us to be deep people who are full of the Holy Spirit. God does not want us to settle for just giving him a little bit, but he wants us to truly love him and people with our whole hearts because this is, or this is what the world desperately needs right now. And spiritual disciplines are a way we can intentionally help ourselves give our whole hearts to Jesus. Okay, so, so far we've talked about fasting, which, praise the Lord, we're done with the 14 days of prayer and fasting. It was so good. There were some breakthroughs that happened, but I'm excited for raising canes after this. Also, we talked about prayer. Okay, prayer is a good thing. You should pray. Pray, 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 pray. There's a sermon. Third thing we talked about was scripture reading. Okay, so read the Bible. If you're not reading the Bible, start reading it. Now today, we're going to talk about a lesser known or two lesser known disciplines, silence and solitude. And silence, if you don't know what silence is, it's being in the quiet. Like as a spiritual discipline, we all know what silence is, but as a spiritual discipline, silence is being in the quiet and not speaking at all. It's just being in a quiet place, both externally, but then also you're not saying anything either. And then solitude is a little bit different. They're very similar, but solitude is just being alone with God. Okay, so taking together silence and solitude is the practice of being in the quiet, alone with God. And these times are critical for centering ourselves on God and living a life of clarity and purpose. They are absolutely foundational for being a fully formed disciple of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Okay, so the Gospel of Mark is the second gospel in the New Testament and it's a really fun gospel to read, especially if you have a short attention span, because it's short and to the point, okay? It just gets right down to it. There's not even a Christmas story. You know, Mark was just like, ah, forget about baby in a manger. We're going to get to the good stuff, okay? And he starts with, with John the Baptist, right? It's this fast-paced gospel. And I also enjoy reading Mark because Mark was the very first gospel written after Jesus had ascended to heaven. It was written about 25 to 30 years after Jesus ascended to heaven. So it's a very early gospels or gospel. The other three were also written very close to Jesus' life, but this one was the closest. And here in chapter one, we see that John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus, and then he baptizes Jesus in water. And when Jesus comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him and then the Father says, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. The Father affirms Jesus. So Jesus had been living 30 years in obscurity. He comes out, gets baptized. God's like, hey, that's my boy. And then what does Jesus do? He goes out to the desert. Okay, verse 12 and 13, it says this. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. 
And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Okay, so it's Jesus, the devil, some animals going cray cray and the angels. It sounds like a really cool thing going on out there, right? After being affirmed by the Father, Jesus is driven into the, into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And this word for wilderness, it's used all throughout the Gospels. And it's, it's used for a number of different words. So actually, I think I have a slide here. I think I do. And it, it's this word, iramos, and it means lonely place, desolate place, deserted place, a desert, solitary place, quiet place, like the movie, quiet place, you know how quiet it is? That's what he's talking about. It says the de- or the desolate place, and the wilderness, okay? And we're gonna see this word again here in a few minutes. Okay, then Jesus, he comes out of the wilderness. He comes out, and he's just like full of fire. He begins, or begins per, uh, preaching and proclaiming the gospel. He calls his first disciples to follow him. He says, hey, leave everything you've ever known and follow me. That takes some boldness, right? He goes and heals a man with an unclean spirit, which means he casts out a demon. He heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And then we get to our passage Today, this is our main text, verse 32. It says, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed, or healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, Iramos, or the wilderness, or whatever you want to call it, a quiet place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were, who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everybody's looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. All right, let's pray. This is going to be good. Jesus, we just pray that you would speak to us this morning. We have come into your house this morning to hear a word from the Lord. God, I pray that you would not have me speak my own ideas here, but God, I pray that this would be your ideas. God, I pray that you would speak through me, help me to get out of the way, and I pray that this text would come to life and that each of us would be people of silence and solitude. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, come on, somebody. I'm ready. It's been a long morning. I got up at 4.30, and I was out shoveling, and I had my truck running for like an hour because I didn't want to have to scrape off the ice. Okay, it was a good morning, and here we are. Cut off a lock. This better be good. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, so first point this morning, if you're taking notes, and if you're not taking notes, then why did I scrape off the ice? I'm just kidding. You you don't have to take notes. The first point is this. Silence and solitude enable us to engage with the world out of a place of security and strength. Okay, so Jesus' ministry, it started off with a bang. After 30 years of obscurity, after 40 days in the wilderness wrestling with the devil, he comes out looking for people who were ready for good news. And he came out in power, and he was on a mission. He was on a mission to connect the hearts of men and women to their maker. He preached. He called people to follow him. He healed. He casted out demons. He impacted an entire city in a day. And Jesus was not doing these things to prove anything to anyone. How many people know, and I'm a pastor, so I'm dissing myself. How many people, or people know that sometimes we do ministry or pastors do ministry because they're trying to feed their ego. They're trying to be seen. Where's this call like it is, right? Jesus was not doing that. He did not need to prove anything. He knew who he was. He was not trying to be seen by the world. He had got along for 30 years by himself just fine without getting any validation from men. And not just that, he had been in the wilderness for 40 days waging spiritual war with the devil and he prevailed. 
Jesus engaged with the world out of a place of security and strength that could only be found in the quiet place, could only be found in a place of obscurity. It's tempting to view the wilderness as some place of weakness for Jesus, where he's just getting beaten down by the devil, but barely makes it out. He barely makes it out of life, like some of us feel after the fast. But this isn't the picture that the gospel writers are trying to draw. The gospel writers show the time of the wilderness as a place where he was strengthened and he was prepared to step into the amazing mission and ministry that God had called him to. It helped him develop security and intimacy with God. It empowered him for the task that was ahead. In the wilderness, in the quiet place, he solidified his identity. He solidified his security and his strength in the Father alone. This gave him the spiritual power that pops off the page in Mark chapter 1. It's out of this place of being alone with God and knowing who he is in God that he was able to, or to go out and minister with Holy Spirit power. Before he could do anything for God, he had to just be with God. Before you ever do anything for God, be with God. That's what God wants for your life. He wants you to do amazing things for him, but his priority is your heart, and he wants you to be able to be alone with just you and him and be okay. And Jesus, or Jesus came out of this quiet place with so much power. He knew who he was. He was okay with just being with his father. John Mark Comer says this, and I'm going to rely upon him a lot in the sermon. You should read his book. It's better than what I'm going to say, but just bear with me. He says, notice, Jesus came out of the wilderness with all sorts of clarity about his identity and calling. He was grounded, centered, in touch with God and himself. From that place of emotional equilibrium and spiritual sucker, he, I don't know if that's how, I'm not sure if that's how you say it. Okay, whatever. He knew precisely what to say yes to, and just as importantly, what to say no to. Okay, so, so we often do... Uh, the right things for the wrong reasons. We may do the, or do the right thing, but it's only so we can get, or get noticed by others. When Jesus taught on praying, fasting, and giving, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, his main concern was that his people would not do these things, fasting, praying, and giving to be seen by others. He said, do these things in secret. We can often do good things as a way of trying to prove ourselves to someone. We find our identity in the good things we do and not in who we are in Christ and the finished work of Christ on the cross. We find security in the constant influx of noise and being seen by other people. Jesus didn't need the noise. He didn't need the validation from men. Everything he did was from a place of pure love and strength. It was out of security that, of who he was in God that he was able to minister. We see this principle of going to desolate places and, or before being used by God all throughout the Bible. Abraham and Moses, they wandered around in obscurity for years before fulfilling their calling. The apostle Paul had to wait several years after coming to faith in Christ before he launched out into ministry. Something profound happens in the desolate place that enables us to go to the place of engagement with the world with clarity of who we are and whose we are. If Jesus needed silence and solitude, then I think all of us need silence and solitude. Some of you are like, no, no, no. I got Snapchat going 24 hours a day. I've been sleeping for two hours. Take a picture. Look at me sleeping. I'm so cute. Just did my makeup. Check it out, y'all. See me. No, Jesus didn't need to be seen. I don't know where that came from. Okay, so. <laughs> I, yeah, there's just sometimes I see pictures and people are like, I don't know, like sleeping or something and they have like their makeup done. And I'm like, Why? Did you do that? Okay, so anyways. Okay, so when I got to UNI as a freshman, I just, re or just recommitted my life to Jesus, and I was on fire for the things of God. 
I didn't know what the heck was going on, but I was like pumped. I was just like yelling, Jesus, all the time. I was jacked up about Jesus. As I got involved with Chi Alpha, I quickly got these opportunities to be in leadership. I, or by the time I was a sophomore, I became a small group leader and a worship leader and the president of Chi Alpha. Part of that was there's only a few people in Chi Alpha, but hey, I'll take the titles. And I also got to preach once. I was pumped about that. It was just a really exciting time for me. After my sophomore year, I got married and I moved to Minneapolis so I could study for ministry. And it was a shock to me when I got there. I thought that, that somehow when I got to Minneapolis and I started in Bible college, like everybody would see how great I was. And it would just be this amazing thing where I just get these opportunities. I start preaching to the other students. They're just like, wow, he's awesome. That didn't happen. I was the weird guy who was married at 20 years old who lived off campus when everyone else lived on campus. Like, who's that weird guy in the back that never says anything? The temptation was strong to try to like promote myself and try to like get positions and all this stuff, but I, I kept feeling like God was saying, I just want you to kind of be right now. I want you to focus on your marriage. I want you to work. I want you to just focus on being with me. And I think that season was so important for me to, or to not have people praising me, to not have people saying, wow, you're such a good preacher or so good at this or that or that, because it grounded me in who I am and what I'm called to do. In the quiet place of Minnesota, I became more grounded in who I was in Christ without anybody praising me. Because when I grew up in the church, I grew up in the church, I played drums when I was like seven. I don't know why they let me play. So I get done playing drums and all the old people come and be like, wow, you're really cool, little kid. I'm like, I'm so spiritual, woo! That was going on throughout my whole life. And I needed that season to say, no, you don't need anybody to see you. So then in 2015, when I came back here to lead Kai Alva, I'm not saying I was perfect. I still like to be seen and all that. But I feel like God had really grown me and helped me to do things for the right reasons. If we want to engage with the world out of love, and not out of striving or trying to prove something, we need to go to the quiet place with God. We can't truly love people if we're trying to find our worth in them. Ooh, come on, that's good, that's a good word. You can't really love people if you're just thinking, okay, what can they give me? Are they gonna say I'm amazing? No, loving people is laying down your life for others. You're not trying to get anything from them. And if you're trying to get your validation from people, you can't really love them. Jesus wants you to be so confident in who you are in him that you don't need anybody to validate you. Obviously, we all want to be encouraged, okay? So I'm not saying don't encourage each other in this place. If you're going to go out there and say, you stink, don't do that, okay? Encourage each other, build each other up. Ephesians 4:29, build each other up in the Lord, okay? So I'm not saying not to do it, or not to do that, but I'm saying we should not live off of those things. We should not live off of people's validation. We need to get free of this. We need to find our security with God. We need to avoid the trap of trying to talk just so we can be heard. Have you ever done that before or had someone do that? Like you're in a circle talking and someone says something, and you're like, I think you just said that so you could be heard, right? Or they just keep talking, or every time you say a story, they want to tell, tell you how they have the same story, but it's better, right? Don't do that. Don't talk to be heard. Every time you talk, make sure it's a value. It's going to add value to the situation. And we also need to get free of trying to distract ourselves from God and our hearts with all this noise. We need to be okay with just being with God. Like Jesus, when we practice silence and solitude, we become stronger and more secure. Okay, so this sounds great. Yeah, silence and solitude. Okay, so what does it actually look like to do this, though? It seems kind of weird. You know, we got jobs, we got families, some people have kids, some people have, have roommates. Our phone is constantly buzzing. Like, you get a notification every two seconds. You know, the news is just going off on your phone all the time, or someone liked your photo. How do we practically incorporate the silence and solitude into our lives? How do we do this? Well, Jesus shows us pretty explicitly in verse 35. It says this. It says, rising very early in the morning, Okay, so he got up before everybody else. And while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. 
Okay, so second point this morning is this. Silence and solitude is intentionally retreating away from the noise and distraction to be alone with God. Okay, so while it was still dark, he intentionally departed and he went out to a lonely place and he prayed. I love the story of Jesus in Mark 1. He comes out of obscurity, obscurity, he's baptized, he goes in the wilderness, he comes out for one day of ministry and then the very next morning, he disappears to go and be alone with God again. He goes back to the wilderness for just a few hours. He had this rhythm of engaging and disengaging from the world and it was vital for his ministry success. He didn't or he did not give in to the extremes of always, always needing to be around people or never being around people. It appears that Jesus made this a daily discipline of being alone with God. In Mark 6, we see him do it again. He, after a busy day of ministry, he goes and he finds time alone with God. He actually decides in that story to stay up all night just so he could be alone with God because he didn't have any time to do it otherwise. So he uh, sacrificed sleep just so he could be with God. In Luke 5, it says that he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In Luke's gospel alone, it says that he retreated to the quiet place nine different times in the gospel of Luke. Even as his life got fuller and busier, he prioritized these times of silence and solitude. He was intentional about it. He made a plan. He said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what it takes. I don't care if I live with four roommates in a dorm room. I don't think that's legal, but maybe that's you. You're doing something crazy. You got, you're all sleeping on the floor. I don't care. I'm going to get alone. I'm going to get with God alone. I need to be with him. I'm going to get up as early as I need to to be alone with God. He would leave where he was and go intentionally find these desolate places. I picture Jesus even in the wintertime going out and sitting in the snow just so he could be alone. I don't know if he would have did that. But, but then when he got there, what did he do? He didn't just sit there in silence. He, he prayed. He, he talked to God. He didn't have his earbuds in. We always need music, right? He didn't have earbuds in. He didn't have the TV on in the background. He was just alone with God. It was just him and God in a lonely place. It was quiet. In 2017, I had the opportunity to help lead a mission trip to Atlanta, Georgia for Chi Alpha. And we're going to the Dream Center, which is this place that is just incredible. They're all over the country. But, but this one, you know, it's working with, with prostitutes, working with people in poverty, homeless people. It was an incredible time. And we drove all the way to Atlanta. So, you know, in the middle of the night, it was a tough drive. But we get there. I'm just, like, excited to get settled in in this house that we're going to stay in. And we get into this house, and there's just, like, there's, like, 30 students or 40 students. And there's just, like, a big room. There's, like, one couch. And I'm, like, the pastor, so I'm, like, that's mine. No, I'm kidding. But this big room, and we're all supposed to sleep on the floor. The girl's upstairs, the guy's downstairs, two big rooms. And I'm thinking, this is going to be terrible because I love my quiet time. I'm just like, Lord, help me get through this week. I really need help. And then I looked up, and there's a bright, shining light in the corner, and I found this closet. And it was just this little tiny prayer room, they called it. There was no bright, shining light. That was a joke. But, but I go, and I find this little this little prayer room, and the other pastors try to, you know, bust in there too. They're like, yeah, we got this little room we can hang out in. Yeah. And we made this plan where each night one of us would get to sleep in that little room by ourselves, and I was looking forward to my night. I was like, yes, this is such a good night. I'm on the floor in a closet by myself. Praise the Lord. And every morning we would would spend time in the quiet in that room, and if we didn't get to be in that room because someone was sleeping in there, we would or for me, I would get up really early because I wanted to be up before everybody else. There's a, or just a room full of air mattresses. I'm like, I need to get up before everybody else so I can, one, get a shower while the, or while the water's hot. That was a very practical thing. But also, I wanted to be able to, or to be alone with God. 
And I'm telling you, those times of intentionally getting up before 40 other people were so rich with the Lord. Some of my best sermons came out of those moments of quiet. God like downloaded sermons into my heart, and it was just time with him alone in Atlanta, Georgia, a place I didn't know, in this weird house in the ghetto, not going to lie to you. And I'm just like, you know, there alone with God. I felt like Jesus might have felt as he, you know, uh, withdrew to the desolate place, and then he came out and did ministry all day. Because then after that, I would get to do ministry all day. It was just this really powerful, or powerful time of being alone with God, and then you know, going out and being the hands and feet of Christ. I believe we need to be intentional about pursuing these times of silence and solitude. These are times where it's just us and God, alone and in the quiet. You can bring the Bible with you, right? The Bible's good. You can bring the Bible. You can bring a journal with you. We talked about journaling last week. And I think some of you journaled a sentence this week, and I'm proud of you for doing that. You know, make it two sentences next time, right? And bring a cup of coffee or your favorite drink with you. But other than that, just keep it quiet. Don't bring your music. Don't bring any of that. Just be alone with God. Have a Bible, maybe something to drink, and just be with God. And these times can be tough to achieve depending upon your life circumstance. So some of us are parents in here, and we feel like it's impossible to be alone in the quiet with just us and God. If that's you, you're going to have to get up really early, really, really early, because your kids get up really early, right? So you got to get up really, really early. So I'm talking like 4.45, 5 o'clock. Some of you are like, heck No. Be alone. Like, that's some of my favorite times of the day when like, the whole house is quiet. I'm like, oh, yes, this is so good. Get up early. If you have roommates, you have some roommate who likes to party, stay up all night. I'm not saying drink. I'm just saying like, you know, fist bump and whatever. You might have to get up early and be alone. I remember there are times I sit on my futon in the Norrin Hall and my roommate be sleeping up there fast asleep. I'm just like, you stay there, buddy. You keep sleeping. This is just my room right now, okay? So get up early if you have to. It's important when we talk about silence, I just want you guys to understand we're not just talking about external silence, okay? We're not just talking about making it all quiet, although that's an important piece, but we're also talking about internal silence, okay? So for me, when I first get to the quiet place, my mind is just like, thinking about all these different things I got to do. So it takes some time to kind of work through those things and get your internal being quiet as well. You need to get your mind to slow down. It's important, too, to know I that as you're doing this, you might have some anxiety, especially if you're not used to being in the quiet. If you're just all alone and you're not used to that, there might be some feelings of anxiety, and it's important to kind of work through those feelings because God doesn't want you just to numb yourself. There's a reason that anxiety is there, and you need to work through it, okay, and say, God, what's making me anxious right now? What thing am I trying to ignore that, that you're trying to bring to the surface, and how can I deal with that with you right now? God, can you help me with that? Because that anxiety is going to come if you have never sat in the quiet. Okay, but also, you know, internal and external silence. So that's what silence is. So internal, external. Remember, remember those two things. But also, for solitude, it's important to not just think of solitude as just being alone. Okay, like, I'm just going to be all by myself. Some of you love to be alone, right? We talked about that. You just love to be alone, play video games, do whatever. But no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, with solitude, we're talking about being alone with God. Okay, so intentionally engaging. So actually, you know, sometimes we think of solitude as so lonely. It's not lonely. It's actually something that fills you up as you are alone with God and he's speaking to your soul. You're connecting with him in a way that Jesus connected with him by being alone and praying and just focusing on him. These should be times of deep connection, not times of deep loneliness. In celebration of discipline, Richard Foster said this about uh, silence and loneliness or, or solitude and loneliness. He said, he said, loneliness is inner emptiness, but solitude is inner fulfillment. Okay, it's this inner fulfillment. You're just with God. All right, so this leads me to the last thing. So as you're with God, he, he's dealing with you. He's helping you to, to address things you have to deal with uh, that you're trying to ignore. And I want to get to verse 36 here through 39 because I think there's something really important, too, that happens in the quiet place. Okay, so it says this. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everybody's looking for you. 
And he said to he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for this is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Okay, this last point I think is very, very important. And then we're going home. I'm eating lunch, a good lunch for the first time in two weeks. Come on, somebody. All right, let's go. We're going to get this point done. I'm kidding. This is a good point. We're going to hang out all day. No, I'm kidding. All right, so I'm done kidding. Silence and solitude enables us to re-engage with the world out of a place of vision and clear calling. Okay, so notice the rhythm of Jesus. I've addressed this a couple times. I'm trying to get you to get this. Okay, 30 years in obscurity. Comes out, he's baptized. Yay! He goes back in the wilderness. Comes out again and he preaches and it's like, boo, boo, boo. Just like, just killing it. Dropping Jesus bombs. Well, he is Jesus, but dropping Jesus bombs, kicking Satan in the teeth. Come on. And then after that, he goes back to the quiet place again. And what happens? They come to him and they're like, what are you doing, dude? People are looking for you. People need you. You need to go and minister and Jesus has a sense of clarity, right? He says this. He says, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Okay, the disciples, they were worried that the quiet place was distracting him from his purpose and from his important task. But the quiet place was vital for him getting a vision for those important tasks and engaging in them well. The quiet place helped him to be more productive throughout the rest of the day. It helped him uh, to do the things he was supposed to do and avoid doing the things that he wasn't supposed to do. After being in the quiet place, Jesus had such clarity about his calling and his purpose. And he had a vision for what he was to do next. It was as if God gave him marching orders that morning. He said, this is what you are to do today. And he reminded him of, of why he sent him. It's so easy, especially in our day and age, to get distracted and lose a sense of vision of why we're here. We just do the same things day after day after day, and we don't even know why we're doing them. These times of quiet and being alone with God are times where he can speak to you and give you a download from heaven saying, this is why I made you. They are opportunities to recenter on our purpose and our calling. These times can happen for 10 to 15 minutes in the morning, just sitting on your couch in the quiet, just hanging out with God. They can be uh, times where you say, I'm gonna go away for a whole day and just be by myself. Some of you are like, that sounds really good. But I'm not saying you go and play video games and watch Netflix. I'm saying go be alone with God for a whole day. Or these times can happen in these little times of waiting throughout the day. Okay, so if you're waiting in a line at a coffee shop or you're at the grocery store and you see a long line, maybe pick the long line so you can sit there in the quiet and just talk to God or listen to God. Or maybe you're at the doctor's office. I remember when I was a kid, going to the doctor's office was like the worst thing ever. I'm gonna have to sit here for 25 minutes. Satan, what are you trying to do to me? But now we got our phones, so we just distract ourselves the whole time. But what if those times became times just to talk to Jesus? A Microsoft survey found that 77% of young adults, when they're asked what they do when nothing's occupying their attention, they said, I reach for my phone and I look at it. 77% of young adults, if they have any time of boredom or time of just hanging out, they grab their phones and look at it. What if we made these little times of silence and solitude times for connecting and recentering on Jesus? It'd be amazing, right? Think about all those opportunities where you're scrolling your phone, where you just be with Jesus instead. John Mark Homer again said, all these... There are all these little moments of boredom, our potential portals to prayer. These little moments throughout our days to wake up to, or there are little moments throughout our days to wake us up to the reality of God all around us, to wake us up to our own souls, to draw our mind's attention and with it devotion back to God, to come off the hurry drugs. Yeah, some of you have been using the hurry drugs, okay? We're going to get you set free today. And come home to awareness. 
What if we started our day not by checking our phone for text messages and the news and the social media, but instead we talked to Jesus first thing. We said, I'm going to sit alone with you first thing. You got your coffee, like, mm, but you're just sitting with Jesus. We would live much more intentional and fruitful lives. We would know why we do what we do, and we would have direction for what we're supposed to do. All right, one of these seasons for me where I was kind of reminded of my purpose and, and getting a vision for the future was this last summer. For the last nine years, I've served in campus ministry, first as a student and then as a director of the campus ministry. And as I entered my last semester in January, I'm not kidding you, so we have this church plan on the pipeline coming up, and I'm like, I am so tired, God. I remember sitting just with God said, God, I am beat. I have nothing left to give, God. I don't know how the heck we're gonna plant a church this summer. You know, pastors typically takes, or take a sabbatical every seven years, so they take a break for like three months or every, or every seven years or so. Well, I was on my ninth year, and I'm like, God, I don't know why I'm getting into this church plant. And then something happened called COVID, right? It came out of nowhere. And then my last semester came to this abrupt end in March. And after our virtual services ended, so we did virtual services for like a month, I had, or I had no preaching engagements for the first time in forever, it felt like. There were no churches calling me because churches were closed. There's nothing to do, nobody to, pre- or nobody to preach to, nobody to say, hey, good job, buddy. You preached a good sermon. None of that for months. And it was so good for me. It was so good for me to, or to just be alone. We had this church plan on the horizon, and I had to hear from God. I had to kind of recenter myself on why I'm planting this church, why we're doing what we're doing. And I felt, throughout those months, I felt like my spirit was like coming back to life. I was like, wow, this is why I got into ministry. This is why I'm doing this. Jesus was speaking to me, downloading things, giving me vision for the future for our church. And then by the time our party in the park came around in July, I was like a, well, I can't say that phrase. I was going to say a bat out of H-E double hockey sticks. That's not what I mean. But I came out firing. I was ready because I had been alone with God. I'd been alone with him, and I had heard from him for our church, and I said, God, you're about to do something in the midst of this pandemic. And I felt like this fresh fire came in my spirit, but it came because of the quiet place. If I had been doing campus ministry the whole spring and then been raising money at churches and all that stuff throughout the summer, I don't think I would have been able to come out with fire. But fire comes by being alone with God and hearing what he has for your life. We are so distracted all the time. We're so overstimulated by all these things going on. Sometimes we just need to shut it all off and say, God, speak to me. I'm listening. We need these times of refreshing. We need to be okay with just being alone with God. We need to be okay with being obscure. You don't need to get more followers on social media. It's going to be okay. I promise. If you don't get the 2,000 followers, you're still going to be a great person. God's got you, right? You don't have to do that. You don't have to strive. You don't have to be seen by anybody because God in heaven sees you, and he wants to speak to you. And hearing from God is way better, way better than getting some likes from some people you don't even know on Facebook or Instagram. Can I get an amen, somebody? I want to hear from God. Our generation needs a word from God, but if we're so distracted by what our generation is saying, we're not going to be able to hear from him. God wants us to hear from him. Or hear from him. He wants us to seize these little moments throughout our day to say, Jesus, speak to me. He wants us uh, to set aside some time each morning and say, I'm with you, Jesus. I want to hear from you. He wants us to be okay with going away for a day and say, I'm just going to be alone with God for an entire day. Or maybe just for an afternoon in the park, you walk around with the geese and you just hang out with them. You're like, what's up, geese? Talk to God. He wants us to be okay with that. He wants you to be secure in who you are and who he made you to be. He did not make make a mistake when he made you. He did not make you for you then to go and say, I gotta get all my validation from all these people who had nothing to do with my creation. All right, God wants you to get your validation from him and that can only come in the quiet place. God wants you to get purpose from him, not from the world, and that can only come in the quiet place. God wants us to be a people who are centered on him and can be alone with just us and him. All right, somebody, I'm excited. <laughs> it's a good morning. It's been a crazy day. All right. 
And like Jesus, we'll come out of these times of silence and solitude saying, I must go and preach in other towns also. Mm, I just got a vision of people at Sun Church saying, spend time with the Lord in the morning and then getting that download from God saying, I gotta go and preach. I gotta go and love on that person. I gotta go and be the hands and feet of Jesus in our city and on the campus. That's what God wants for us. All right, main idea this morning is this. Times of silence and solitude are portals into giving God our whole hearts. If you want to give God your whole heart, certainly pray. And this is part of silence and solitude. Like prayer kind of goes throughout all the other disciplines, right? It goes along with fasting, scripture, silence and solitude. You know, you also have to read scripture, right? So if you, if you want to give God your whole heart, read scripture, fast. But I'm telling you, silence and solitude is something we ignore, but we desperately need. We need to be okay with being alone with God. We started our conversation today by talking about how some of us like to talk too much, and some of you were bold and said, that's me, y'all. I talk too much. And we talked about how some of us, you know, we need to be around people all the time. We have like an over-reliance uh, on being around people and being stimulated. And we talked about how some people don't talk much at all and don't really want to be around people. I don't think we fit into, or, or into these neat boxes always, right? I kind of go into both sometimes. But I do want to speak to the two different groups of people, the extroverts and the introverts, I guess you could say. If you came in here this morning and you're watching online and you feel like you talk too much and you rely upon being around people too much and you rely upon their validation too much and you distract yourself too much, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today. He wants you to be quiet right now and hear from him. It's okay to be in the quiet. It's okay to only do, or to do something and only be seen by God when you do it. It's okay to not be seen by man. It's okay if you don't get as many likes as you want in your post. God sees you, right? God sees you. That's the story of the gospel, that, that God saw us, and he sent Jesus out of heaven to come and rescue us. God saw you in the midst of your filth, in the midst of your dirt, all the bad things you've done, and he says, I see you, I love you, I want you, and he came after you. God sees you. You don't need validation from anybody else. God wants to validate you this morning. Just as God validated Jesus in his baptism, he wants to say that about you. He wants to say, behold, this is my beloved daughter with whom I'm well pleased. Behold, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. But the only place you can hear that from God is when you're alone with him. If you're constantly hearing all the voices of the world, the news and the media and politicians and your friends, you're not gonna be able to hear God saying, behold, this is my beloved daughter. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Because God is well pleased with you. If you are in Christ, when he looks at you, he sees Jesus, which means he thinks the same thoughts about you that he thinks about Jesus. And he thought this about Jesus. He thought that Jesus was amazing and that he was well pleased with Jesus. So if, if you're in Christ, he thinks it about you too. It's okay to be alone. It's okay to just be with God. There's also some of us here and God's gonna get at you right now. You ready for this? For those of you who like to kind of hide, for those of you who have great things to say and you never say it because you're afraid you might look dumb, or you feel like you have to be alone because it's safer that way, it's safer not to engage with the world. God wants to speak to you. God is not calling you to completely disengage from the world in some attempt to protect yourself. You certainly need to have times of silence and solitude. We talked about that this morning, right? But these aren't times just to be by yourself and kind of say, I'm just gonna be safe and away from everybody else. These are times to be alone with God and to deal with some of that anxiety. To say, God, help me to go back out into the world with more power and vigor. Help me to go out confidently. That's what silence and solitude is for. Not to protect you, but to strengthen you. God wants you to know that, that he's not calling you into silence and solitude to hide, but he's calling you into it to embolden you and empower you to go and re-engage the world with the love of God, with confidence in your heart. 
He doesn't want you to fear people. He doesn't want you to fear looking stupid. He wants you to be confident. He wants you to be grounded in who he has made you to be. Finally, some of you, you came in here and maybe you feel alone spiritually speaking. You feel like you don't have a relationship with your maker. Maybe, or maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never accepted his sacrifice on your behalf on the cross. Today, God wants to invite you into relationships. So, so no matter where you are in the world, no matter if you're alone or with people, no matter where you are, that he is with you. It says in the word, when we put our trust in Jesus, God gives us his Holy Spirit to live on the inside. That means you're never alone. It's amazing. That means that God goes with you no matter where you are. And this morning, he wants to invite you into relationship if you're disconnected from him. And the way that happens is through Jesus coming to earth and and living the perfect life and dying on the cross for our sins and then rising from the grave. And all you gotta do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. So I, I wanna give you an opportunity. If you came in and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I wanna give you a chance to do that. So bow your heads and close your eyes. The way we're gonna do this, we do this every single week. If you wanna come to faith in Christ, all you gotta do is cry out and say, God, I put my faith in you, Jesus. I put my faith in you. And the way we do that at church here is just raise our hand to heaven and say, Jesus, I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. So if that's you, how I'm gonna do is I wanna count to three. And when I do, I just want you to slip up your hand. It's just between you and God. Nobody's looking around. It's just you saying to God, Jesus, I wanna put my trust in you. I wanna be saved. I wanna have a relationship with you. So one, two, three. Slip up your hands all across this room. See that hand? Is anybody else here this morning? All right, you can put your hand down. I'm gonna pray for you. And as I pray, just pray in your heart and say, Jesus, I put my trust in you and pray with this church as we pray. Let's pray together as a body and pray that God would bring, bring lost sons and daughters home this morning. So Jesus, this morning we come to you and we put our trust in you. Jesus, we admit that, that we can't do this life on our own. We can't be saved on our own. We are separated from you and we need your sacrifice on the cross on our behalf. So this morning, Jesus, we confess with our mouth that you are Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised you from the dead and we are confident that every time we do that, that when we do that, we are saved. So Jesus, we receive that this morning. We receive your Holy Spirit. We step into eternal life. So God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand up all across this room. We're gonna worship one more time here before we leave. All right, so it's kind of crazy. We're gonna go into a time of worship, which you know should be celebration. I want you to celebrate. But let's pray that God would help us to be confident with who we are and be okay with being alone with him. So Jesus, this morning we come to you and we're gonna worship you one more time before we leave. And God, I pray that you would just make strong people in this house who are secure in who they are in you. And God, I pray that each person here would be okay with just being alone with you. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's worship.